Welcome to Let's Get Lit, first episode of the new year. Happy new year. 2019, yeah. It's hopefully better than the past two years, which have been a fucking miserable shithole. Well, way to start things on a really positive note. Depression, anxiety, pit of despair. And you're going to keep going with it. Well, I'm just saying I hope 2019 is better. Well, you know the way to make any year better. Start it with a drink. What did the lunar calendar say about this year? Is it supposed to be better? You're the witch. You tell me. I'm going to just project and say yes, even though I actually have no idea. So You're the leader of this smutty coven. You tell us. I hope that our smutty coven has the best 2019. Well, I also hope that, but that's no prediction. So today on Let's Get Lit, the podcast book club with a twist, we are not reading a book, but we are going to talk about our favorite books of 2018. And we're also going to talk about, we have some new fun plans for 2019 that involve you, our book club podcast pals. Um, So we're excited. Yeah, we're going to talk about past and future. And to be clear, we're going to talk about the books that Brandy and Star read in 2018. They didn't necessarily come out in that year because we are late to the party as Always. per usual. Always. So um, we're also, because we are just talking about random books, we just decided to drink whatever we felt like drinking. So there's no actual pairing. But what are you drinking? I'm drinking Chardonnay as per mm-hmm. usual. It's my favorite go-to drink and it pairs with every book. Well, what are you drinking? I'm drinking tequila and grapefruit soda from Trader Joe's. The soda, not the tequila. Your tequila's not from Trader Joe's? No, it's from Safeway. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> can't win them all. No. Anyway, so we are, we're drinking our favorite drinks and talking about our favorite books of 2018. Um, and do you want to start with our 2018 books or do you want to start with what our plans are for the new year? I feel like we should start with where we've been and then end with where we're going. Very thematic. Okay, fine. So this past year, we started our book club about halfway through the year, which meant that we got to read a whole bunch of books with you. Um, our least favorite being The Witches of Eastwick. Our most no. fa- <laughs> our most favorite being Anna Karenina. And A Place for Us. I yeah, feel like and those, A Place for Us. Those were the top two for Totally. Sure. Um, but we, because we only started the book club podcast about halfway through the year, we did have several books that we read earlier in the year that we wanted to just chat about a little bit. Um, we didn't read them together, so I'm not sure what of my books you've read and, uh, I have no idea what your books are. So maybe we can start with our books and then we'll talk about what our plans are for the rest of the podcast that we're going to keep doing because we have not given up yet. Go us. Can't stop, won't stop. Rockefeller Records. What's the first book that you Get read? Down, baby. Thank you. Get down. Thank you for not leaving me hanging. No, no problem. Um, so the first book that I wanted to talk about this year is... From last year. I'm sorry. From last year. It's a nonfiction, and it is Being Mortal by Atul Gawande. What's that about? So Atul Gawande is a doctor and also a, an author, and he was named the new, I think, CEO of that, like, HPCVS conglomerate mm-hmm. that's, like, running their new healthcare system. Um, but prior to that being announced, he was a pretty well-known person in like the field of public health and medicine. And this book was recommended to me by a colleague a couple years ago, and I bought it, and I just never picked it up because I never really felt like I was in the mood for it. But it's a pretty incredible book about um, kind of the human condition from the perspective of a physician and like what it means to 
die with dignity. And I think that a lot of the book focuses on like your end of life experience and what that looks like in America. And it was a little depressing, but also like a really enlightening thing because I think there's just hasn't been a lot of talk about like planning for the end of your life and Mm -hmm. like what that looks like and being, you know, thoughtful about it and recognizing your family. And, but further than that, it's just a really interesting book about what it means to like be towards the end of your life rather than in like the peak of your life or the beginning of your life. And I mean, it was, it was phenomenal. And I think that if you have any interest in public health or healthcare or just like the end of life or life in general, it's a worthwhile read. Have Have you you read it? I haven't, but have you read When Breath Becomes Air by Paul Kalanthi? Because that sounds like a similar premise. Yes. It's very similar. Well, I wouldn't say it's very similar, but when I explain it in 30 seconds, it sounds sounds similar. similar. Yeah. Well, that's, I was like, I feel like I read that, but I definitely haven't. So it probably goes more in depth and Definitely sounds interesting. Well, and maybe I'll check it out. To be in fair, I might be confusing them a little bit because when breath becomes air, I think it's more about end of life. But being mortal is a lot about dying. Well, it's not necessarily about dying. It's just about like the human condition, kind of, but like from a medical perspective. Interesting. And it's fantastic, and he's super brilliant, and I'm really happy that he's the new CEO of that company. I don't know what he knows from like a business savvy perspective, but he seems like a really thoughtful person who has like a good idea on what could make healthcare work for people. Yeah. It sounds like he's value driven, which can only help in corporate America. Exactly. Exactly. So that was my first early read that was note while or noteworthy. I like no while. Note while. It's note a note while read. Noteworthy. Sure. <laughs> noteworthy worthwhile read in 2018. Well, speaking of note while reads, <laughs> um, one of mine is also nonfiction and it was, Dear America, Notes of an Undocumented Citizen by Ooh. Jose Antonio Vargas. That sounds good. Also, it was actually, I think it's the only one on my list that was also written in 2018. So it's one of the ones that actually was written last year. Oh. So it might be new to people. But essentially, so Jose is a very well-known undocumented immigrant that lives in the U.S. He came here when he was a child and didn't find out that he was not a legal U.S. citizen until he went to apply for his driver's license when he was um, just a little over 16 and basically found out that his papers were fake. So really? it's interesting because he, yeah, he's a, um, a journalist and he has written all kinds of interesting, you know, articles starting with not being anything to do with immigration. But at a certain point in his life, he decided to, quote unquote, come out as an undocumented immigrant. And so he basically, you know, exposed himself and is now known very much so um, for being, you know, someone that is openly out as an undocumented immigrant. But it was just a really interesting story. And I will say I expected it to be a little bit more emotional than it was. It's kind of written from a journalistic perspective, but I learned a lot about you know, what immigration looks like in modern America. And it really does kind of, it teaches you a lot about immigration throughout the years, the kind of hypocritical ways we treat immigrants in modern day. Perfect example being, you know, the fact that we allow immigrants to pay taxes and we acknowledge they're here, they have tax ID numbers, Mm -hmm. but then we also penalize them and say that they, you know, suck up all these services and you know, say we're going to round them up and basically kick them out of the country. So it's like we benefit from them, but we also punish them for being here. So I just thought it was something that really, it teaches you a lot, but it also really humanizes the idea of being an undocumented immigrant. And it really Mm -hmm. makes you think about what did any of us do to deserve our citizenship and how have we put 
our own privilege on the line and what can we do from a perspective of being an American? What does it mean to be an American and what do we do to deserve that every day? So I think it's an important read no matter how you feel politically. And it was something I was really glad I read this year. That sounds really good. Did it give you any pieces of advice for like what to do if you are an American citizen that can be like helpful? Yeah, well, so it it definitely talks about, you know, privilege and what you have at stake, what you have to lose. So what can you do to help other people? And if we are someone that is born in the, oh no, sound (laughs) effects from computer, people ask me to do work, horrible. Um, If you're someone who is a U.S. citizen, you have very little on the line. You're someone that can actually speak out. You're someone that can show up. You can protest. You can not just call people out when you have conversations and you hear people say ignorant things like get in line and, you know, you're just, what did you do deserve to be here? You can actually engage with people. And, um, God, I'm trying to remember what the name of Vargas's organization is. I feel like it's really important. I'm going to quickly Google it um, because he actually has parts in the book where he talks about this is how you can kind of engage with people who feel differently than you. Um, basically, like if you're talking to someone that's like, hey, I think all immigrants are here to kill us, yeah. that you can actually like share facts in and a way that's stats. not offensive and also helping to humanize the other side of things too. talking about his experience. You know, people will show up to his book signings. I'll also say I went to one of his book signings this year, so I got to see him in person. Um, And he was talking about how people show up and say, I'm going to call ICE right now and tell them where you are and threaten him with stuff like that. And rather than engaging in a negative way, he'll just get to know the person, understand what they're upset about. It's Define American. That's his organization. So on his website, he talks a lot about how you can, you know, engage with those people and also, like, get to know them, get to know why they feel passionately about these things. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times it really is based out of fear. And it's all about, like, seeing each other as human beings. And I definitely, like I said, it humanizes immigrants, but it also reminds you if you're someone who feels like you're you know, pretty sympathetic to the fact that all Americans are immigrants and we should all be treated with respect. It also reminds you to treat people who might be a little bit more harsh about immigration, Mm -hmm. to treat them with respect and realize, like, their fears are valid. And, you know, just by dismissing people as ignorant and stupid, that doesn't get us anywhere. So it really, it was something that I was really glad I read. And I felt like it was something I would carry into the new year. Yeah. That sounds like a really good book. I'll put that on my docket. Good. What about you? What's another book you Um, read last year that was really good? So diving into fiction, I read The Tea Girl of Hummingbird Lane. (gasps) I also read that. Really? I did. I I would rank it in one of my top books that I read last year by Lisa C. It was just a really... uh, I mean, she does such a beautiful job of painting these like generational narratives. And so The Tea Girl of Hummingbird Lane is about a... It's about a woman who lives in rural China, and she has a kind of tough upbringing. She ends up having this, like, kind of romance with this dude who just seems wonderful at first but ends up being kind of shitty, and she has a baby and ends up giving the baby up for adoption and, like, goes on to, like, live her life in this other way. And um, she she ends up having, like, a pretty good life, Um, after she gives her baby up for adoption and, like, leaves this guy. But she, her daughter, ends up kind of 
they, they tell the story both from the point of this girl and from the point of her daughter. And like, it's their kind of parallel stories. And, um, you know, it doesn't talk about them like meeting or anything like that, but it kind of leads up to a point where they could have the capability to meet later on. And it's just a really, I spoiled everything in that entire book. Now but we ruin it for us. It's a great book. It's a really, really good read. I, I felt like, um, I mean, it wasn't one of those things where I left feeling like, oh, that was just incredibly profound, but I don't think I've... I've, I've never disliked a book that Lisa C. wrote. Every book is interesting and engaging, and it's like a good story about the characters and yeah. the time, and you learn a lot about... I learned a lot about tea that I didn't know about totally. before. And I learned that it's pronounced poor. <laughs> and I didn't know any of those things. Anyway, I thought it was a good book. I'd recommend it if you're looking for fiction that's like entertaining and um, also informational. I'm glad you included that, because when I was considering... My favorite books, that one almost made the list for me and just missed just because I read so many good books last year. So I second that in the Yeah, it's very good. Um, so my next book was Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine oh, I heard by that Gail was good. Honeyman. Um, it was good. And what I will also say, so I started reading it. And it had been kind of described to me as, it's like a dramedy, so it's funny, but it's also like, you know, very emotional, all of this stuff. And I'm like, cool, right up my alley. And I was immediately uncomfortable reading it because essentially it's about this woman named Eleanor who it seems like she might be, she's just super socially awkward. She's so rude. And you're supposed to be, like, laughing at the way she engages with the world where it's, like, you see how rude and, like, not with it she is. And it's, like, oh, ha, ha, ha. She's going through this transformation as she finds this man she's decided is the man of her dreams. And she's trying to live her best life, etc. And it just, I mean, Brandy, you relate with me on this. Like, we really struggle with people that aren't polite. Like, yeah. that makes us so uncomfortable. So I was, like, cringing the first half of this book and thought I probably wasn't going to finish it. I only finished it because I had bought the book, and I was like, I'm not going to stop reading this at yeah. some point. Um, but so it does take a little bit of a turn where it, you know, touches on mental illness and all of mm-hmm. these other things. It ends up being, like, deeply, deeply sad, and I ended up, like, sobbing at the end of this book, but I will also say part of that was hashtag therapy, um, because she does go through therapy at one point, and I just remember relating to it so much, because it was, like, when I was going through the thick of therapy, but that's, like, the most horrible explanation for this book, but I will just say, like, it takes a really moving turn where you start to realize why this person is the way that she is, Mm -hmm. and... She's not a perfect person. She's really unlikable at times, but Mm -hmm. it does make you start to see her as a person. And I felt like it was something that was really impactful because I know people, I will even say like at work where I'm just like, oh my God, you're so rude. You're so obnoxious. And I just can't stand you because you make me so uncomfortable. And it did make me more empathetic, I thought to like everyone has a reason why they are the way that they are and by the end of the book I ended up thinking wow it ended up in a really moving and important place but I will say like if you decide to read it at the beginning you will be mortified but stick with it it's worth it and it made my top five list of 2018. That's impressive okay. What's your next book? My next book is Middlesex by Jeffrey Eugenides. Tell us more. Have you read Tell it? Us more. I did, but like 
a while ago. And I will say, like, when I read it, I found it really boring. Um, really? But it's one of those ones that I look back on and I appreciate more and more yeah, as so time goes on. I think it was too young when I read it. This was a book that was recommended to me by um, a colleague, and they basically said it was, like, one of their favorite books of all time. And when they kind of gave me the premise of the story, I was like, meh. I mean, I felt kind of whatever about it. The premise of the story basically is that it's um, this person who is born um, with female genitalia, essentially, and thinks that they're a woman for most of their life. And then as they hit puberty, starts to, like, have their male hormones kick in and, like, have some other, like, male secondary features kick in. And... um, uh, they are a middle sex person. So they are both, they have like male, male genitalia and female genitalia and like also other, um, secondary sex characteristics and like feel both male and female at certain times. And, um, the book is not only about that, that's like part of what the book is about. And from, from like an anatomical or and medical perspective, it's really interesting because yeah. they talk a lot about like what it means genetically and like, what it looks like in other species when when things um, like plants or animals are, you know, born one gender and then like later on kind of naturally transition to being another gender for whatever reason. Um, And talks about how like we perceive in, you know, the modern kind of Western culture that it's like a very abnormal and bizarre thing for something to be like that. That's like the kind of normal thinking, but that in reality, it's not, it's not really an abnormal thing. It's like kind of part of, part of nature and part of what happens generally. But this person, um, it's, it's kind of a family drama. So it goes back multiple generations talking about them, like fleeing turmoil in Greece and then moving to the United States and like what the plight of their family is. And there's, um, it's weird saying incest because it doesn't feel like incest, but like their grandparents essentially were brother and sister and, but it's like, (laughs) I mean, yeah, Yeah. yes, yes. But I feel like when you say incest, it makes it sound like it's something like dirty. Exactly. But it was actually like a relatively, um, normal, it was a sweet like romance, you know, it was like these people, they fell in love and they felt like they couldn't be in love. And so they kind of hid it from everyone and said that they weren't related and moved to America and, ended up having a family and it ended up being hard for them and there's just a lot of different layers to the book and it's not really about one person but it's kind of about all of these different things that happened that ended up with this person at the end who has these you know different sex characteristics who is trying to figure out a way to navigate their life in a way that makes sense for them and it goes across multiple continents and cultures and generations and it's just really well done. It was a good read. And I think that it's something that I also, had I read when I was younger, would have been like, what is even happening here? Yeah. But when you read it when you're a little bit older, and especially I think with all the dialogue that's going on around, you know, being transgender and all of the different kind of non-binary ways that a person can exist in the world, um, I think that it was just a really, it was a beautiful novel for the time and place where we are right now to kind of help you understand if you're not familiar with what that looks like. Definitely. And I think that's the beauty of books is when you can actually step into someone totally different than your own shoes mm-hmm. and have real empathy for them. Yeah. So it's, that's a great book. I'm glad you picked that and I'm glad you read it last Even year. Even though it's definitely old, it's not a new book well, by any means. I mean, speaking of old books, so 
last year I read this book called Cop Town by mm. Karen Slaughter. So I'll say like Karen Slaughter is one of my favorite, um, I guess you, I don't know, crime's not really the best word. Horror is not really the best word. I guess thriller. That's probably okay. her genre. Karen Slaughter, what a name. Um, is that but really I've, her name? Yeah, like I've a read. Nom de plume? Well, I think it's her actual name. I've tried it's to great. look into it because I thought it must be a nom de plume. So I will say, like, she writes some really gory thrillers to points where I occasionally, and I am not like someone that needs to look away during those scenes, get a little bit like, ooh, that's kind of disgusting and Yikes. that's a little much. And it's something she's often criticized for is for being like, okay, you were a little unnecessarily gory. You could have just like said this is what happened and moved mm-hmm. on. She's like, no, no, 10 pages of describing just how awful it was. Um, but she's known for like her Will Trent series, which is amazing. I've read, I think at this point, all of her books. Um, really? And this book, Cop Town, was like the last book that I hadn't read yet because it was her lowest rated book. It was one of her first books. Mm-hmm. And it was just something that I made my way around to after I'd read everything else. So I wasn't expecting that much from it. And it ended up being my favorite book from her, really? which was really surprising. Um, she just She's really great at like twists and turns. She writes really strong and complicated female characters, both as like villains and heroines. Um, this one in particular, it's set in like 1970s Atlanta and it's these two female cops that are basically just getting their start as women are just being allowed into the police force so Mm -hmm. it was a really interesting like I don't even know that I would call it historical fiction but it read a little bit like it it was definitely a lot about kind of that women's movement going on at that time kind of the south which was extra patriarchal and these women that were really just trying to like claw their way into a world that they didn't belong and I didn't expect it to be as moving as it was and kind of as entertaining in that respect I'm used to her books being more centered around kind of you know whatever the murder or whatever the crime is that was committed which the one that happens in this book is definitely interesting but the more interesting part is kind of learning about what these women went through and it really is like a reminder of basically our foremothers and all that they've done so that we can exist in the public world and reading this just makes you like fucking hate men is it really only in the 70s when women were allowed to be in the police force it seems like that's well yeah and just reading about like all the like rampant sexual harassment like we go through like walking the gauntlet everyone's like grabbing their ass and grabbing them and you know trying to rape them on the job and all this stuff where you're like this is crazy and this was not that long ago and it just really it was a good reminder too just thinking about like our moms i'm like this is their decade that's insane yeah and imagine now like people that are in the positions they're in now it also kind of covers like this a lot of the kind of like tough as nails women you see these days and you're yeah. like no shit because yeah. you had to be to make it through all the douche lords. yeah so i ended up loving that one that one took me by surprise so cop town karen slaughter read it okay i will i don't know when i'm gonna have time to read all of these books but i'm really excited about <laughs> yeah. them when i do have time um my next book is Hillbilly Elegy, which is a non-fiction, 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 non-fiction. I have not read it, but it's by JD. Vance. I've been wanting to, so tell it me why is I should. So good, and I don't really want to so like so fully good. dive into it right now because I feel like it really deserves its own time to shine. But essentially, what it is is so JD Vance. He grew up in Appalachia, and like 
I mean, pretty abject poverty. And he, through a series of kind of twists and turns, like made it out of that life and has become like relatively successful. Not relative. He's a successful person. And he used his experience both growing up in a place like that and then what he's learned outside of a place like that to kind of shine a light on like what the life experiences of people who are considered like quote unquote hillbillies and like how the rest of the world perceives them as like backwards or stupid or whatever. And I mean, he takes the opportunity to look at it and be like, these people have like a genuine, authentic experience that has shaped the way that they are. And this is kind of the reason and like the reason that people think the way they do and the background for why they think the way that they do. And that it's not like it's it's not wrong or backwards or anything, but that, that there's a reason behind it. They're not, I think it's really hard to kind of dive into it without kind of giving everything away, <laughs> but he frames it in a way that makes you have sympathy for, for people who I think if you are a liberal minded person, you otherwise would probably think low of, and he gives you the opportunity to kind of understand their thought process while at the same time helping you to say, you know, these are the ways that the world has kind of wronged these people and the way that, that they think the way that they do because of that. And like, we could make the world a place where they would you know, vote and act in what is understandably their best interests. It's wow. really, like I said, it's really hard to talk about this without making it sound like insulting in mm-hmm. some way. The book is incredible and I highly recommend it regardless of your political leanings. Um, it's, it's well thought out and it's, I mean, it, it really changed my perspective as someone who hasn't spent any time in Appalachia and doesn't have any close relationships with people who, you know, have that kind of um, background or upbringing, um, it allowed me to kind of put my head in, like, what their life experience would be like. And I think that it just, it generally made me a better person in the way that I think about other people's experiences. That's awesome. I highly recommend it. I've been it. meaning to read it. And I have a copy of it if you want it. Okay, give it to me. I devoured that book. I could not put it down. Every page I was like, <gasps> it sounds this like, is great. Someone read this with me. I, I need someone say, to talk it sounds about. sounds like you had a really good time reading that book. No, I'm, well, I mean, it was just like every, every few pages, there was just something we were like, oh my gosh, yes, of course. Like, why didn't I think of that? That makes so much sense. Like, he makes all of these connections to the, you know, events that happen to people when they live in places like like Appalachia, mm-hmm. where you're like, of course. Like, of course that's what happens and why people think that they the way that they do. Like, no one lives in a bubble. Everyone's opinions are shaped by their experiences. I know my opinions are shaped by my experiences. I grew up in a place that is, like, very left-leaning and you know, relatively sheltered and privileged and all of those kinds of things, which had I grown up somewhere else, I probably would have totally different worldviews. Yeah. You know? Well, and again, that's why one of the joys of reading is like, we can't all travel. We can't all meet people that aren't Mm -hmm. like us. But like, if you can read about or from the perspective of someone not like you, it expands your worldview, which is pretty miraculous. A hundred (coughs) percent. Is that my five or is that only four? I think that's only four. That's only four. Okay. Your turn. So my fourth, kind of also not a very cheery depiction of America, but something that I thought was very realistic, although it was fiction, was Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk oh, by Ben Fountain. Good. 
I really, really enjoyed it. It's funny. I One of my favorite books of all time was Catch-22, and so the reason I picked this one up was because I had heard, like, it's the modern Catch-22, and by modern, again, like, this book was written in 2012, so I'm real late to the party mm-hmm. here, um, but it's basically set during the Iraq War, during the Bush administration, hmm. and it's all set around this Bravo squad that has been fighting um, overseas, and essentially, like, they had a Fox... Um, like news team following them around and they ended up having this heroic gun battle um, during the war and all this shit went down and they end up being like lauded as these war heroes so they're brought back for the Super Bowl at um, you know Dallas Texas Cowboys Stadium and they get to have this quote-unquote long halftime walk where they're part of like the halftime show so it's interesting because the book takes place over the course of it's like all in real time so oh interesting it's like they get out of the car they're going into the stadium and then everything that they experience during this kind of super bowl and it's essentially this satire and there are parts that are deeply funny but it's also very tragic it's all told from this perspective of like a 19 year old who i mean he's like seen some shit he's lost some friends overseas and it's just all kind of putting like all of the warts of America on display kind of like on this jumbotron at the Super Bowl it's like this microcosm of what America is and honestly I don't think it matters if you're a liberal or a conservative I think everyone would get something valuable out of this book like it just really kind of emphasizes and juxtaposes like our hero worship of like reality TV and Mm -hmm. rich people and all this stuff and then having all of these people come up to these soldiers and say like oh we pray for you thank you for your service and then you know we pay them a pittance and the way that we you know pretend we support our troops and then actually leave them hanging out to dry so it's really hard to get into it without like giving away the core of the book but it was just something that was so moving to me and also like there's so many parts that are laugh out loud funny and Mm -hmm. so many quotable parts of this book and it's definitely one that I I don't know if I would say it was the modern day catch 22 but it it's probably going to be one of my favorite books in the long term and I think from a Goodreads perspective out of all my books that I'm kind of recommending here this was the only one that i gave five stars really so highly recommend um what's your fifth my last book is called the death of expertise it's also a nonfiction. it's by tom nichols um and i'm i feel like i've been talking a ton about all these books so i'm going to try to be succinct with this one but basically what the book is about is how there used to be people who would spend time becoming experts in something. And as a result, there was a lot of like interesting people who had the ability to kind of collaborate with one another and come up with in-depth ideas that looked at both the human condition and like science and mathematics and philosophy and all of these things and were able to kind of synthesize something really interesting and wonderful but because there are so many tools and resources at your fingertips now that people don't necessarily have to become experts in anything um and even on like a very shallow level that you don't have to read a full book anymore you don't have to read a full news article anymore you don't have to really do anything because you can get the sound bites that you need Mm. anywhere and 
it's not framing it as like this is a bad thing that happened, but like this is something that is a cultural phenomenon and what is that potentially going to look like as our culture develops like are we go like what what does that mean for the development of our culture when you have people who have so many tools and resources at their you know disposal like do people just become really good at researching things do they become really good at looking things if the internet were to die and like our resources were to die, would anyone be able to do anything? Oh, that's scary. But it's, it is so true. Like if you, how do I do this? Let me just Google it. Exactly. And I, it's, it's a really interesting book and a worthwhile read. I think that it just kind of, we talk about this often, but it kind of puts a mirror up to you and you have an opportunity to look at your own life and think about, well, what could I, or would I be able to do if I didn't have the tools and resources around me to like support me to do that? But I mean, more than that, it's more of a, a, a look at like culture more broadly. Anyway, mm-hmm. I recommend that book as well. I don't know out of all of the five, which would be my top recommendation. I enjoyed them all. I think that if you like nonfiction, I would probably actually no. I'm going to say Hillbilly Elegy. If you're in Was America, the top five? read that okay. one. That's a good American read. Okay, my fifth was also nonfiction. It was I'll Be Gone in the Dark, One Woman's Obsessive obsessive Ooh. Search for the Golden State Killer by Michelle McNamara. So I feel like everyone knows about this book at this point, but I finally read it last year and coincidentally read it like the week before they caught the Golden State Killer. Really? So it was funny because I was so invested. And also I will say like if you follow our podcast or just if you've read this year, if you read um, Killers of the Flower Moon, this is a book that I think is really similar in that it is kind of that like procedural where Mm. it just goes through so many details. And it's funny because the book almost ends up being, I don't want to say more about the author herself, but obviously she died before the book was published. Um, the How pers- did she die? She just died in her sleep. It was oh, kind of tragic. like, it was random, but it just very bizarre. Did she- the Golden State Killer kill her? No, but I thought that's where it was going for a time. <laughs> but it is interesting because you learn so much, not just about, you know, this horrible killer, all of the murders that happened. She goes so in depth and somehow manages to share all of the details of what happened, share the victim's stories without like making it like you know sensationalizing it exactly sensationalizing it that's the right word thanks brandy um but she she really makes it about the victims and doesn't you know make anything something that feels disrespectful and it's just the fact like she was so committed to this and the fact that the killer ended up being caught after she died i thought was so tragic and you know, one of her researchers that she worked on the book with ended up fin- finishing it after um, she had died. And I just think anyone that likes true crime or just anyone that likes nonfiction, it's just so eminently readable. So you've got to give it a try. And I would also say, like, again, I read it right before the guy was caught. So I finished it. And two days later, they were like, they caught the Golden State Killer. And I felt like I was involved in catching him because I had just been, like, going through this investigation and all of the Mm -hmm. details. And just I think it would be interesting to read even now knowing who he is and knowing how it all went down because so much of the information they had in the book, like was spot on and it's just it's crazy and I wish they had given her more credit in tracking him down and killing him because I think she put it on the public's radar and made it something that the police wait did they kill him no 
You just said tracking him down and killing him. Oh, because it's just like wishful thinking. <laughs> I was like, we totally missed that. Sorry, that's just like my own fantasies here. Very Karen Slaughter of me. But 10 out of 10, you must read. Okay. I'll put, I, I thought it's been on my list for a while, so I'm actually really excited to read it. Excellent. Do you want to talk a little bit about what our plans are for next year? Yeah. So those are the books we read last year. But this year, you know, we're really excited. We've had so much more involvement from people actually listening to the podcast and sending us messages either on Instagram, you know, tweeting us or sending us emails and reaching out and giving us book suggestions. And we have been like taking note of all of them and looking up all these books and they all sound amazing. And we really want to make this a book club that we're all a part of. So we've started collating a list of all the books that other people in the club have recommended and Mm -hmm. we want to start reading the suggestions that you guys are throwing out so starting with our first book is going to be a reader recommendation brandy you want to tell them what it is yes so our first book of 2019 um, we got from an email from nikki and the book is called molokai or molokai it's by alan brennert and it looks amazing. Um, she also recommended a cocktail pairing. So our first cocktail pairing for this book is going to be a Mai Tai. Yeah. Um, and I'm really, really excited. So the, the book is about um, a Hawaiian, a young Hawaiian girl who um, is quarantined for leprosy on, an, on the island of Molokai. And it looks just from kind of a first glance like it's going to be a really beautiful book. So I'm... Super excited to read this. I'm so thankful to Nikki for sending us the recommendation. Um, We also have our second book recommendation as well for the year, but I wanted to reach out to all the people in our our smutty coven and um, just say that we are going to basically only be reading books that you recommend to us. So feel free to shoot us an email at letsgetlitpodcast at gmail.com or tweet us the name of your favorite... um, your favorite book or a book that you'd like to read at Let's Get Lit Pod. And we will select our next book out of whatever you tell us. You'll get a little shout out. And yeah, we'll read your description of why you want us to read it. So we really want you guys to be a part of this too. Yes. So read with us, give us your ideas, and definitely give us cocktail pairing yes or if you just have a cocktail that you really want us to find a book to pair with tweet us your favorite cocktail or a drink that you'd like us to find and we'll um we'll hopefully find a book to pair with that drink or maybe just drink it anyway yeah we'll make it happen yeah so um i'm super excited i feel like this new year's gonna be really fun um it's been really really awesome having you guys be part of our book club Yes. We have more than one friend now. We have more than one friend. We're reading new books. And yes, tell us what to read next. Tell us what to drink next. We trust you more than we trust ourselves. Yeah, we can't pick any more books. We already picked all the books. Yeah. All right. So um, shoot us a tweet. Let us know that you're listening. If you haven't reviewed us on iTunes, please give us a review on iTunes. It really helps us out. It helps us get more listeners involved and more folks in our book club. So um, yeah. Review us on iTunes if you have a chance. Find us on Goodreads. This isn't a book club without you. It's just us weirdos. That's right. Cheers to that. Cheers to weirdos. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get lit. Bye. Bye.